0: This is something that ought to be natural. It ought to be the normative experience for Christians, for believers. But there are times in which God, uh, moves on them to speak in a, in a, in an extra or a, um, in a, an extra dimension of tongues that is then used to edify themselves or to edify the body of Christ. I guess I skipped over the the definition there of tongues, but I'll mention that. It is the supernatural ability to speak in an unknown language in prayer to God for personal edification, and at times for the personal edification of the body when accompanied by interpretation. It is for edification of, of ourselves, it's for the edification of the body of Christ. And so I've I've heard um that's, that's the purpose. It's for the, it's the initial sign of the Holy Ghost. It's the individual edification. It's for corporate edification. This is the, um, purpose of, of tongues themselves. Now, I've, I've heard, uh, it, it said, perhaps, you've probably heard this as well if you've been around, uh, Pentecostal teaching for very long, that there's, there's three different types of tongues that we see in Scripture. Three different, um, categories perhaps that, you could say that that you could put tongues themselves in, and and one being tongues being the uh, the initial sign of the Holy Ghost, and then you have some who would say that uh, that there's a another kind of of tongue that they would describe as a personal or devotional tongue, and then some they'll they'll talk about a third type of tongue, which is the gift of tongues. That's really what we're focusing on tonight, and and they would say that that. The gift of tongues is is exclusively used for corporate edification or the edification of the body of christ and and i don't know, I, I don't i don't necessarily see a a clear um, differentiation between the devotional tongue and and the gift of tongues in fact when when paul uh, speaks of of that actually we don 't really see the devotional tongue itself. Um, Pulled out in scripture. I don't, I don't see that. Now, I don't want to get into a, you know, heavy uh, theological debate here on, on this subject, but, um, but I would say that the gift of tongues is, is used, and we see this in Paul's writing, that it's used for edification of self as well as the edification of the church, of the body of Christ. And so, I see the the two, the really two types of tongues. We see the one that is the tongues that it's a, it's the initial evidence. Of the Holy Ghost, in order to know that you have received and been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, there ought to be an experience where you are speaking in a language that you do not know. I know this isn't new to anybody here, um, but we see that throughout Scripture that that is a an experience that happened over and over and over with those in in the Book of Acts. We see it today that when you are Filled with the Holy Ghost, you you would speak in a language that you do not know. Now, if somebody does not ever speak in that language again, have they been filled with the Holy Ghost? I I would say from Scripture that Scripture, it, it points to the fact that there is an initial that is the initial sign there are many other evidences of the holy ghost but that that if they have spoken in tongues in that one time they were filled with the holy ghost they were filled now there is an experience that i would say probably all of us in in here maybe maybe not uh, all but i would uh, probably guess that all of us have have since that initial time, you have spoken in tongues. You have had the experience probably even tonight. There are many of you that uh, during time of prayer, you, you perhaps spoke in a language that you did not know. And there was, there was this, this, uh, this, uh, tongues that was, that was used in your time of prayer. And so and so, this is something that that we kind of expect, or that we uh, we, we have a um, an understanding of of the fact that God would would still uh, be able to speak through us, and it's not always uh, going to be a an interpretation that is is given during that uh, time during that use of speaking in tongues. And so, we've kind of developed a, a theology, I would say, from that that there's a separate kind of tongue that is a devotional tongue. I would say that's, that really is, is the gift of tongues. And it's for the personal edification of yourself. There's also, within the gift of tongues, the times when it is used for the edification of the body of Christ. And it's accompanied with the interpretation of tongues. And we're gonna to get into that, the interpretation of tongues. But here's, here's the thing, whether or not, uh, you know, Whatever the case is, Paul, he talks to us and tells us that we should desire spiritual gifts. So I would say this in general, that I think that it is theologically solid that tongues is the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But also that you should desire to be filled with the Spirit and to experience that tongues again and again and again and again. That there is edification that comes not only to you, but to the body of Christ uh, through the gift of tongues, being and use. And so and so we're, uh, I would just say that that uh, I would encourage you to to pray. If there hasn't been an experience that you have uh, in your life that that you would regularly pray in tongues, I would say, ask God for it. Ask God, say, God, I want to experience that again. God, I experienced it one time and, and I want to have this experience again where I speak in tongues. God, I want to experience that again so that, so that there is some edification that comes. And I, and I think that it's a good thing to, uh, to, to, to pray that kind of a prayer where you would say, God, I want to experience this again. But here's what I don't want. I don't want us to, uh, to, to feel that that tongues, uh, the fact that you speak in tongues, that that is uh, that is evidence of, of some spiritual, um, you know, that you're you're spiritually is so much higher than than anybody else. It's it's not, um, but but there should be. I, I believe there should be an experience that we have, um, uh, that that it would be good for you to uh, to desire to to pray in tongues. And to have this gift present in your life. Amen. Now the interpretation of tongues. The interpretation of tongues. Now this is quite an interesting gift here. I'm going to go much shorter on, on this because I want to get to some other things. The interpretation of tongues is when someone has the gift of, of being able to interpret what someone else or even they themselves. We see that. Uh, could be possible. We uh, See that in scripture. That they themselves could be the ones who gave the tongues and they would then interpret uh, that tongue. But the purpose of this is that a corporate message is given out in where there's an interpretation so that the whole body could be edified by that message that God was trying to speak to the church. Now... Clearly, as we see from reading through these scriptures, that all speaking in tongues is not intended to be interpreted. Some is, some isn't. Paul he gives us some guidelines. We're gonna we're gonna get into those guidelines. I wanna to hurry through some of this, but um, these these uh, interpretation of tongues. I will say that it is interpretation. It's not translation, and so I know I could I could get into uh, some experiences here, or, or you know, get some feedback from those who uh, uh, who have been used in interpretation of tongues. Um, but I'll just I'll just keep it really quick. I'll say that uh, many times when this uh, when somebody's being used in the, in this gift, uh, I'll, I'll pair it with the, the, the gift of tongues when the gift of tongues is given uh you know there 's kind of a um, forceful or a, a louder sound that's that comes forth uh, of somebody that would be speaking in tongues and a message you you just kind of know that that God is trying to speak now and and as as that happens when the interpretation uh, when when the person would would be used in interpretation, it would uh be something that uh, a lot of times it, it it's you might just get a few words. You might not know exactly everything that God had just said in in that language and that that tongues that was given, but you had, you get a few words. And I've heard this differently from different people. That um, you know, sometimes they they just they just know the words that are said. Some people they they kind of get a picture in their mind, and they they physically or they, they they mentally they see the words or or a, a picture of what is happening. And then and, and but but whatever the case, they. Uh, you, Many times don't get the whole interpretation, but as as they begin to speak it out, then God uh just begins to speak and it's uh and and uh, I've heard it also that uh, you know maybe uh, a couple of people uh would would get would feel or or get the interpretation of it, and one of them speaks the other one would say well that's not exactly the words I would have said, but that's pretty close to the words that I felt God was speaking, and that's why I say. It's an interpretation. It's not a translation. And so it's, it's, uh, it's God speaking to the church. And that's, that's the, uh, idea here that the interpretation of tongues is, is God speaking to the church. Now, we'll get into some more, some more of that, uh, here in a little bit. But I want to go on to the gift of prophecy. This third supernatural spiritual gift of of utterance is, um, is this gift of prophecy and that literal word prophecy is used in in scripture um it, it means simply inspired speech so it's it's speech that's inspired by god now you can make the generalization that all of these speech gifts are prophecy that all of these are inspired speech from god and And here's an example of that. You get uh, the prophecy from Joel. What did Joel say? Joel said that in the last days, God, he said, I, I being God, will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. My sons and my daughters shall prophesy. Well, Peter takes that in on the day of Pentecost when people come and they ask the question, what is going on here? We hear people speaking in languages that we know that they don't know themselves. Again, tongues is a real language. They heard them speaking in their tongues that these people did not know. But they were speaking in these languages and they and they said, "What does this mean?" And Paul refers back to that prophecy from Joel where he says that in the last days God said, I'll pour out my spirit, my sons and my daughters shall prophesy. Okay? He says, This is what you're seeing here. It's the it's the uh, utterance that's coming from God, or it's the inspired speech from God that you're seeing here that's being given. So so you can see really any of this is is um could be categorized as prophecy, but but if we really look at what what Paul is is talking about here in these these gift of uh, gifts of the spirit when he's speaking of prophecy he is talking about speech that's inspired by god for the edification of the body and is spoken in their language the language that they know so this this um gift here this is uh you know always given Or this prophecy it's given and it's it's used in a way that um That would be for the edification. Notice all of these gifts are are for the edification of the body of Christ. That's because that's what Paul says. uh, That all these gifts are given for the edification. Uh, But this one itself is is, uh, speaking out. As God would inspire them to speak. And it's in the language that they themselves speak. And we would assume also that the hearer also speaks that language. Now... The fact that it's for the edification of the body does not mean that um, really any of these gifts uh, does not mean that they at times are not corrective in nature or that at times it's it's a message that's like, I didn't want to hear that. Because sometimes the building up or the edification uh, in order for that to take place, there needs to be some correction that happens. And so there's times where uh some a prophecy is given and and you you, you hear it uh, but but it it's it kind of cuts deep and you're like man how did that edify well it edifies cuz it's correcting you it's it's building you up in the way that god would want you to be built up um, but he, here's what i want to say about about prophecy is that i think we we kind of have this, this misnomer about what prophecy is and we think of it many times as being something that is inherently future oriented it's it's predictive in nature but prophecy it's it's scripturally we see that prophecy is both foretelling which would be that predictive in nature future oriented as well as forth telling telling forth or uh, just speaking forth the thing that God wants. And it could be about something that happened in the past. It could be about something right now in the present. Or it could be something about the future. And so, so don't get prophecy in this narrow category of being predictive only because it's not only predictive. It's simply content that is inspired by God to be proclaimed to God's people or or even proclaimed to outsiders to to unbelievers and so and so uh prophecy it's just simply inspired speech not necessarily predictive uh could be predictive for the future but it is it is God speaking through somebody uh in a in a supernatural way about a certain situation and so so this is what what prophecy really is all about so what distinguishes that from these other two gifts is the fact that prophecy is simply given in the language of the of the speaker as well as the hearer, whereas uh, tongues is not uh, and it needs the interpretation in order to edify the body of Christ. I want to uh, I want to just uh, take a little bit of time here and and go through uh, chapter fourteen of First Corinthians because in this chapter Paul really uh, dives into some specifics about. Um, how these things, how these gifts ought to be used in public worship. So in, in chapter 12, Paul gives these gifts, uh, he lists them out, talks about where they come from, talks about um, you know, how they are to be used for edification, of the body of Christ. Chapter 13, he kind of pauses that discussion to, uh, to speak about the fact that without love, all of that is just, it, it's, it's moot. You, none of that's going to be of any good effect. If you don't accompany it with love, and uh, so then he comes back then to these things in chapter fourteen. So that's uh, where I want to dive in. First, I'll just mention a couple of, of verses here. Verse First uh, Corinthians fourteen, verse five. Let's start there. Just begin the discussion by uh, by highlighting just a few verses, and then we'll we'll kind of work our way through this chapter. But verse five. Paul, he, he writes here, he says, I would that you all spake with tongues, or rather, that you prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except ye interpret that the church may receive edifying. Verse 12, let's look at that. Even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Notice he's saying you should be we, we ought to be uh, zealous of spiritual gifts, uh, but more so that it's, it's always edifying the church. Verse 18. Let's look at that. It says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than ye all. OK, Paul, he says, I speak with tongues more than all of you. I, I, I do this often. Verse 26. He says, how is it then, brethren? When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, that all things be done unto edifying. Now it seems like if it were a problem, it being speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues in a corporate setting even, if it were a problem that he would have said that it was a problem and that it shouldn't be that way that you shouldn't all have a tongue, that you shouldn't all have a prophecy. In that. But that isn't what he says. He just says it's okay to do it, but it needs to be done decently in an order. In, in fact, he says in verse 39, he says, wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy, forbid not to speak with tongues. Okay? Covet to prophesy. You ought to seek to speak uh, speak a, a divine word from God but that does not mean that you neglect the fact that you ought to speak with tongues. That ought to also be something that is operative in the church. It ought to be operative in your life. There ought to be both things that are present and that are happening. And so these gifts are, are things that uh, we should see in the church. However, in order for them to operate We need to covet these gifts. We need to desire these gifts. We need to be zealous for these gifts. That's that's what Paul is saying that we ought to do. Be zealous to have these gifts uh, present in our life. There ought to be something that we desire. I want to just point out the fact that um, the church... I say the church, uh, today I I probably could almost narrow this down to to Pentecostalism itself, or Pentecostal churches. Um, I don't believe that that should be the case, that it should be that narrow. But um, but in Pentecostalism, the church, it's it's democratic in nature. If you think about it, I'm not getting political here. (laughs) It's not the democratic I'm talking about. Um, If you think about it, it's the congregation that's driving the worship service. It's not the platform. At least it shouldn't be the platform. As you all respond to God, we'll sit up here and we'll strum a guitar all night long. As we continue to allow God to just... Just move and work. And, and this is how the church operates. It's, it's democratic in nature, meaning that, that we are all experiencing this. And, and here's the thing about the church. It's, it, it's not about one person being used or one, one gifted person. Uh, but it's about the gifts that are present in the church and, and releasing the gifts To be used by the body of Christ. And as we gather together. There ought to be the gifts that are being used. And so here's the thing. When we come into service. We ought to all come with a certain sense of preparation. This is one reason that we encourage pre-service prayer. Because. There should be a certain amount of responsibility that all of us should feel heading into a service. That It shouldn't just be, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, what are they going to teach tonight? Or what are they going to sing? Or what is this one person going to do? Or, or, you know, I really, really need a word from God. So I hope that that one person, they speak a word into my life. Because the fact is, maybe you are the one that God is wanting to use to speak a word into somebody else's life. So we should come with a certain, uh, certain you know, set of, of, of responsibility or preparation that we come into a service with to say, All right, God, I'm part of the body. I have access to every one of these gifts and I want to be used in the way that you want me to be used so that the whole body could be edified. And so when we gather together, we ought to do this. I want to, I want to speak and, and, and allow God to use me in whatever way he wants to use me. Right, and I'll say. By the way, even those who they often share the word or share a certain word that you might receive, they also have times when they need a word from God, and they need minister too. So here is the thing: we need to covet the gifts. We need to desire these gifts to be present in our life. We need to pursue them, not just for the sake of you know sensationalism or, or to, to get some spiritual stamp on my passport to heaven. And it, it's not for that. It's for the fact that this would edify the body of Christ and that we, are, we ought to desire to be used in this because this is how God wants His Spirit to be in operation in the church today. So we need to make sure, and this is the reason... This is really is the reason that I'm teaching this on this subject uh, over the the course of these couple of weeks because because we need to make sure that this is something that is uh, that we do not lose as part of our fundamental core theology, our doctrine that we need to understand that there the operation of these spiritual gifts ought to be present in the church today, and I want to release that to you and release you to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Release you to be used within the course of the church, uh, the service and, and, and even outside the service. It doesn't have to just happen when we are gathering here inside these walls. But this is something that can happen even outside of our of our, our corporate gatherings. But amen. I want to go to verse 1 of chapter 14. I don't know how far we'll make it through here, but uh, we'll spend a little bit of time here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He begins this, he says, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Notice he doesn't pit spiritual gifts against love, say pick one of them. Uh, he doesn't say be crazy radical uh, and be using spiritual gifts and, and like uh, be harsh on everybody and let so you're, you're tearing everybody down. Uh, you don't need love. Uh, no, he, he's, he also doesn't say, you know. Just love everybody, give everybody hugs and and uh, and, you know. Be gushy and about everybody and, and neglect the gifts of the Spirit. It's not, he doesn't say it's an option of one or the other. He says both love and be operating in the spiritual gifts. That's the option that Paul gives. Have a balanced church. Now the, this next part, I don't know, maybe here we we'll, might mess with some of our theology. But that's okay because the Bible does some, does that sometimes when we read the Bible. Verse 2 Paul, he begins, he says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit, in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. In other words, when he's speaking in tongues, he's speaking mysteries to himself and to those around him. Verse three, but he that prophesieth, or he that is speaking an inspired word from God, that Everybody around him, including himself, knows and understands. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive edifying. I want you to just uh, to think about the backdrop of, of where Paul's coming from. Because Paul is correcting a problem within the Corinthian church. That's the reason for this letter. And it appears that the problem that he's correcting, it's based on a lot of ecstatic Speaking in tongues that seemingly is dominating their gatherings every time that they would come together for corporate worship. So what Paul has in mind is, is not our typical services today where we are coming together. There seems to be this problem in Corinth where speaking in tongues is dominating their church services. And, that, and what he's telling them is, is when you come together and all you do is speak in tongues, nobody is being edified by that. Or at least the, the body of Christ. You yourself might receive some edification from God during that, but, but in a public setting, if there's not someone interpreting, the prophecy is the more desired gift. He said you should make room for prophecy. You should make room for for speaking as God would speak through you in a language that you understand and that others understand. Now, he's not saying that you should not speak in tongues. What he is saying is that you shouldn't let that dominate your church service. So let's, let's keep reading because I think some of this can become a little clearer as we read more. Verse 6. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you? Except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine. And even things without life giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? So, what he's saying is, I mean, if you just go and you grab a horn, and you start blowing that horn and, and you're just, just making sounds without some musical score. No one's going to be able to discern what you're trying to communicate through your playing that instrument. He says, you, no, it's, you're just playing something unrecognizable. Then in the next verse, he kind of changes the metaphor just a little bit to some, like a, a watchman on a wall or a, a bugler that's going into battle. Verse eight, he says, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? So, if you, I mean, think of a watchman that's on the wall on that day, and they have a certain sound, a certain uh, notes that they play that would would tell everybody that an enemy is advancing, an army's coming to them. If he's just up there playing, Mary had a little lamb up on the up on the, the, the top of the wall, you know, they're. Not going to recognize that as being the sound that uh, is telling them the enemy is advancing. So he's saying, here, you need to speak in a way that that people understand what they're to do or what, you know, in an instructive way. He said, prophecy is instructive. Tongues is not instructive to the body of Christ. Verse 9. So likewise ye... Except you utter by the tongue words that are easy to be understood. How shall it be known what is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. There are and may be so many kinds of voices in the world. And none of them is without signification. Therefore if I know not the meaning of the voice. I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian. And he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. So he's. Speaking here about the fact that in a public meeting, there should be discernible speech. That in that discernible speech, it's more profitable than, um, than speech that cannot be understood. This makes total sense. Then he goes in verse 12, and he, he goes back to his previous words on edification. He says, even so ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, speak that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Then he uh, summarizes uh, much of this in, in the next couple of verses. He says, wherefore, let him, speak, uh, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So he's speaking here about the fact that when we're gathering, that if we want instruction to happen or edification to happen to the body of Christ, when we gather... It shouldn't just be all speaking in a language that we do not know. Now, this is not how our services today are uh, operate. I'm not. Speaking in a language right now that you do not understand. Our, our songs that we sing are not in a language that you do not understand. The, the normal, uh, the, the majority of our service, almost uh, exclusively, is, is, is in a, a language that you understand. And so uh, here's what Paul is not saying. He's not saying that there should never be tongues when you gather together. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if we want to be built up, then you should speak inspired speech that comes from God that would lift each other up and that would be instructive that we could get uh, uh, receive uh, edification from it. There's times that God wants to speak to the body of Christ a certain word and he will move on somebody and, and speak a tongue. And in, when that happens, then you should speak or that you then you should pray for the interpretation of that tongue. This is what Paul's saying, okay? But I've heard some, there's there's many who believe, and they take this chapter here, and they say that Paul is telling us that there should never be tongues that are spoken in a public setting. And I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Because what Paul is really addressing is the fact that that when you gather, that should not be The majority experience for people when they come in, that that is just a bunch of 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 praying in a language that they do not know, where they are not receiving edification or instruction. uh, That would be, um, you know, he's saying prophecy is the more preferred gift to be used in these circumstances. And so, we we can continue here. Um, We're running very short on time, but I want to get to just a couple more points here. Verse, uh, where were we at? Verse uh, 15. He says, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. I will sing with understanding also. Here he's, he's talking about the fact that we do both. He says, I do both. Verse 16. Else when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at that giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? For thou verily. Give us thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. He's saying, when I gather together with the body of Christ there is more instruction that happens when i'm speaking to you when i'm speaking in a language that you know rather than speaking in a language that you do not know this is uh, one one reason that many uh, I, I try to uh, to make it a habit that if i feel uh, god you know come upon me and i begin to speak in tongues and i have a microphone in my hands i typically will try to uh, i mean it's it's not for your edification necessarily so i will usually pull that microphone away because because that is not a, a time where I'm trying to instruct you. And, and so it's more instructive. I would rather speak 10,000 words, as Paul says, in a language that you are understanding what's being said, unless God is trying to speak to the church through tongues and interpretation. In that case, speak it loud, allow it to be heard so that it can be interpreted and that the church can be edified. Amen. Verse 20, it says, brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be children, but in understanding be men. In other words, get some spiritual maturity about this, about these spiritual gifts. We need to be mature in these things and have an understanding of them. Verse 21, in the law it's written with men, Of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to these people. Here, he's he's, he's speaking of, or he's quoting a a passage from Isaiah. I'm going to skip over some of that, but he's quoting a passage from Isaiah, saying that that God will speak uh, to the church, uh, will speak to His people through tongues. Verse 23: If therefore the whole church be come together in one place, all speak with tongues. There come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, and they say, "Well, are they mad?" Now, we have sometimes claimed that as a badge of honor, but Paul is not talking about it as a badge of honor here. He's talking about it as a hindrance to evangelism. He's just given this long discourse about how we should uh, seek, when we're gathered together, uh, more so to pray uh, or to, to speak with understanding but he says that the net effect if you're if all you're doing is speaking in tongues the net effect is not going to be more conversions it's going to be less conversions they're going to come in walking thinking man you're crazy But if all prophesy, there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned. He's convinced of all. He is judged of all. Thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. So falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So here's the thing. He says, there is something that uh, when they hear a divine word from God and they they are pricked in their hearts and they begin to, to, to hear that God is speaking something to me, then all of a sudden they fall down on their face. They worship God. Now... Here's what tongues can do. Tongues can be assigned to somebody that the supernatural is taking place. Tongues and interpretation. Why would God even... Like, what's the purpose of it? What's the purpose of tongues and interpretation? You ever ask yourself that? Why wouldn't God just always speak with prophecy? If He wants to speak to the church, why wouldn't it all the time just be with prophecy? Well... There's something about a disruption that kind of happens that gets our attention. It just, it gets your attention when all of a sudden you hear God begin to speak with a tongue and, and everybody, they stop and they say, wow, this is something different that's happening. And we wait, we pray and we say, God, speak to us. And interpretation comes and this is, it's something that's, that when we when this takes place that there is um there is a, a, a an understanding or a um a notice uh by by the hearers that they say wow god is speaking god is here god is moving in this place and god had something to say to me and we receive that word amen there's so much more i, I want to say on this but uh, i know we're already past our time where i try to let out but let's um Let's just, let's just go to verse 26. I just want to read a few few more verses here. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm, has a doctrine, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things but be done into edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, by th- most at three, that by course let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three. Let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let... The first hold his peace, for he may all prophesy one by one that they all may learn that they may be comforted. And here's what I want to say about this. I don't believe that Paul is trying to give rigid um, rules for exactly how every single church service should be operated. I believe what he's trying to say, do here is is uh, to, to say that as the spirit moves, there should be um, a natural flow of the spirit. That it's not going to be one person speaking over another person. And this person over here giving tongues. And the same person as this person over here giving tongues. And a person up here giving prophecy at the same time. What he's trying to say is that when this is done, it should be done in order. It should be done with understanding. It should be done uh, that, that when people leave the place, they're not so confused and saying what in the world is happening here. No, God, when he wants to speak to the church, they, they, in order for edification to take place, there needs to be some kind of uh, of, of, of of order to it where it's it 's not uh, just a bunch of craziness that 's happening, but what he says you know one person over here speak and two or three uh, shouldn 't be a long line of everybody in the church, given the prophecy, but let two or three of course begin to to speak the word that God has for the church. let one interpret that if there 's prophecy you know let let those that are around let them judge and 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 this isn't a harsh judge, you know, standing around with a judgmental attitude. But it's it's saying, no, let them let them pray and and to say, all right, God, is this is this really you speaking here? God, is this is this your word? If it is, God, I want to receive it. God, and let it let it be uh, let it be said uh, to, to me today. God, let it edify me. I want, I'll, I'll I'll just end with these these last two points, just, just two quick points. And you can read through the scripture. I won't won't read through it. But um, there's one thing I'll say is that if you have ever been in a service where it feels like somebody was just completely off. Or maybe even you yourself were used and, and, and you walk away from it and you're like, man, I think I completely messed up. I don't want you to beat yourself up. I don't believe Paul wants you to beat yourself up. I don't believe God. Who the author of this? He wants you to beat yourself up over that, or to beat up that person, and, and look at them, and you know, say, "Man, they they can never be used again." We are humans, and uh, gives Paul gives the scripture. He says, "All of this um, is subject to the to the prophet, or subject to the person who's who's used, being used." And so, in fact, or in other words, he's saying you're you're still human. There's times when uh, when god 's speaking through you that that you may get you may get things messed up here 's what I believe the church is still going to be all right Here's here 's what Paul is trying to, to to correct with all this chapter here is he 's saying just don 't let that be the the norm <laughs> don 't be all messed up all the time in fact don 't even most of the time don 't be all messed up but but let 's try to, to to let God speak and and to do it in such a way that that we are being built up and edified as the body of Christ. But don't also, don't shut it down. Don't shut the moving of the spirit down. Don't shut the gifts of the spirit down because they are necessary for the church to be built up. And in fact, I would say when he says that let it be done decently in an order that if there is not the uh, operation of the gifts of the spirit, if there's not tongues in a service and interpretation of tongues, you know, at at times doesn't have to be every service. But if that is not something that happens within the church, then we are not doing things decently in an order. That's what I would have to say. I said two points. Here's the last one I'll point out. There's this one short little passage there. Uh, I have it down uh, about women in the church. Verses 34 and 35. And I just don't want to skip over that. uh, And leave you just thinking that. um, That women cannot be used in this manner. Because that is what some take that little short passage to mean. Here's what Paul is addressing here. And I wish I had. Much more time, but uh, if you understand the the whole book of, of Corinthians or much of what he 's covering in this book and the corrective actions that he's he's trying to uh, to take there 's a lot of of things that are messed up within uh, gender roles, and he gets into uh, gender identification issues that they have and and the the proper roles of women within the home and within the church and and the proper way that husbands and wives should be, um, you know, the roles that they should play uh, within their home. And and layered in all of this is some other messed up theologies that some of them have. Some of the people in the Corinth church have about uh, they feel that they are spiritual beings once they receive the spirit of God. And so as spiritual beings now, uh, they no longer need to be married. And so there's uh, some of them that were wanting to divorce their wives or divorce each other. And so all these messed up beliefs. And so Paul inserts this portion here. Where he says, Let your women keep silence in the churches. It's permitted, uh, for it's not permitted to them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, also saith the law. If they will learn anything, let him, them ask their husbands at home, for it's a shame for women to speak in the church. We have to understand the context. As I said, it's a much deeper study than we have. But what Paul is saying here is not that women should not be used. What he is saying is that the role of women in the church is that is that when you are used in spiritual gifts this does that really anybody that's used in spiritual gifts this does not put you above everybody else in the church and that we all should be operate operating in the body of Christ um, under the sp- proper spiritual authorities that's what he's talking about we know this because there's so many places so many other places in Paul's writings where he endorses women in ministry he talks positively about prophetesses and, and and women that are being used in in ministerial roles within the church. So Paul is not saying that women cannot be used in ministry, but rather he's saying when being used that we should fall uh, or that we should remain under proper spiritual authority. And so, um, that's what Paul is addressing there. I just wanted to, I didn't want to leave that little portion of this out here tonight. Anyway, I know we covered a lot. I'm sorry. It's late. Um, and I just want to commend this church for the fact that this is not something that uh, uh, is is uh, dormant here in the church. I guess if I could use that word or rather, this is something that uh, is an operation and I'm thankful for that. But here's what I do want is, is for all of us to seek and to be used in the gifts of the spirit. For if you have the gift of, uh, of God, if you have the spirit of God in your life, you have these gifts and you, uh, you can be used in the gifts of the spirits today. Amen. Let's, let's just, uh, close this out with prayer. Let's just lift up our hands around this place and just praise God. Lord, I am so thankful for your word. God, I'm thankful for every gift that you would have. God, I pray that you, Lord, would speak to the church, Lord, and then continue, God, to speak, Lord, in us, God, so that we could be edified. Lord, I pray that we would not, uh, Lord, go, uh, just go in our own directions, and our own ways, and, and abuse these gifts in any way, Lord. But rather that we would use them, God, for the edification of the body of Christ, Lord, so that those that come in, Lord, so that they could see your glory at work, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I bless you, church. Love you. We'll see you Sunday morning, bright and early. Amen. Let's be here. Let's have some great church. Praise God.